Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. For the love of Salt Lake Radio News, this is the untold story of what shaped radio news in the Salt Lake Valley over the past three decades. Our host and guide through the years is Maria Chileos on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Federal deregulation of the broadcast industry resulted in widespread layoffs of radio reporters in the late 1980s and early 1990s. The shift from AM to FM listening, advances in technology, as well as the elimination of minimum requirements of news content also played a role. When we left off, call news director Fred Scott was faced with laying off his entire news staff. I think their priorities changed because the new crew that came in didn't have a core or a base from which to operate. They only operated from a sales or bottom line bean counter point of view. Tracy Kayford was one of the journalists who was laid off. She said the Christmas time announcement came as a big surprise. I had um, learned years later what the true reason was, um, is they needed the money to hire a sales manager. And so they reallocated the money so all these years I've wondered really what happened because we were really doing a good job and we were starting to win awards and I think being viewed credibly in the market as a news gathering organization. Serving in the public interest or hiring somebody that's kind of pricey, you know, why would we do that? It's only information. Well, I got news for you. Information, my dear friend, is what makes the world go round. Demands that Mountain Fuel Supply Company be slapped with a heavy fine are being rejected. A few months later, in May of 1991, there were additional layoffs at KSL. The radio station underwent a major reorganization in news and programming that resulted in the layoff of four more newspeople. News director Rod Arquette calls it one of the newsroom's most difficult times. I came on board. They had a big staff too big of a staff at the time. It was a tough period when I first came in because we had to do some layoffs there, which are never, never easy at a radio station. Sharla Haley was one of the employees impacted by the layoffs, which had a destabilizing impact on the entire station. Then it happened on a Friday afternoon at 3 o'clock. I got called into the office and they said, your position's been eliminated. What just happened? I don't know. And then they said, oh, God. Then they said, you don't need to worry about finishing your shift. You can leave now. And, uh, and uh, we would invite you to apply for some of the entry-level positions that we now have open. Like, why would I want to apply for an entry-level position when I've been here 11 years? They were difficult. Very difficult. And I, I don't think they're ever handled as well as they can be. Um, I don't think that they're ever explained as well as they can be. Um, They were often in conjunction with this functionalization that um, they would explain to us as we're going to be now a, you know, that TV and radio and the newspaper will be uh, 
combined, and so we won't need as many reporters because there will be job sharing in and, in and amongst these reporters. And what was so confusing to me, at least, about that is that a few years later, the exact opposite would happen, and we'd then hire back reporters, and so there would be this almost wave-like. We'd fire reporters a few years later, we'd hire reporters a few years later. Amanda Dixon has hosted Utah's Morning News on KSL for more than two decades. In total, almost 25 years, I've seen so many different people be laid off, and I've seen some people be flat-out fired for reasons they will never tell us. I understand why they don't tell us, but it's still painful. Within months of the layoffs, the company began integrating its radio and TV news departments, which was interesting for the radio and TV reporters who had always seen themselves as competitors. KSL reporter Mark Ju calls it a challenging time. It was interesting to to be here for sure, but it was a tough time because you'd lost some colleagues. Uh, you didn't really know where things were going. And for a while there, we were both doing, if we were a reporter, we were doing both radio and TV. Detectives say an autopsy confirms that Gage Wayman was a Duke victim said, of the elements. said while he was glad for the opportunity to do TV reporting, the quality of news gathering suffered as reporters worked to fill the needs of both radio and TV while working on multiple stories each day. The quality of what we do, what we did as journalists back in the 70s and 80s and 60s, as far as really thoroughly taking time and developing sources and checking out stories. Those days are just not not there because it's the tyranny of the now. It was also difficult for reporters like Scott Seeger to serve TV and at the same time equally meet the needs of radio. Radio, especially an all news or news talk station like we have, is a big beast that needs lots and lots and lots of feeding. County attorney Dave Yoakum says he wants to continue the investigation before deciding whether or not criminal charges should stories be constantly being updated. I think it spreads a lot of people thin. Within a decade, it was clear that deregulation started by President Reagan to stimulate the economy was having a negative impact on local news. The solutions we seek must be equitable with no one group singled out to pay a higher price. Journalists and the citizens for which they provided information were being singled out and paying a higher price for changes in federal policy. That shift in federal policy served as an impetus for radio station owners to gradually think differently about their public service commitment. I think it changed probably slow enough in that regard that they maybe don't realize you know, what they missed. I mean, it's kind of like if you have living thing in boiling water and you, you heat it gradually, they don't notice it until maybe it's too late. And it just kind of seemed like the listeners probably had such a buffet of things, but then it changed so gradually and, and diminishing that they didn't notice that it was changing. Lynn Arvey's column on the market's radio happenings in the Deseret News documents the dates and shows how deregulation caused the scales to gradually tip in favor of increased profits over news commitment. Right. Yeah, I mean, originally they couldn't because of the FCC rules, and then as they got relaxed... As the FCC prepared to approve new multiple ownership rules in 1992, the owner of Call Radio, who founded the station in 1945, announced Call AM and FM were being sold to Apollo Radio. RV quoted George Hatch as saying that they were negotiating with Apollo because they liked the station's formats and community service efforts and would likely continue the current programming. Discussing the world as you want to discuss it. We are your electronic back fence, your easement to the airwaves in Salt Lake City, 575 Morning show personality Tom Barberry doesn't blame Hatch for wanting to retire after decades of building a media empire. Which uh, throughout the Intermountain West 
we provided um, ABC network news and uh, local coverage also to about, I think, 140 stations in Utah, Idaho, Montana, Wyoming. And this was the Intermountain Network that George had basically set up. And it was all based out of call radio, uh, which was the hub of the Intermountain Network. And I think George thought that this was going to continue, even though deregulation allowed for the sale of the station to one of these large conglomerates or corporations. And I don't think he foresaw what was going to actually become of it uh, from a programming standpoint, that they weren't going to be interested in local issues um, and just interested strictly in, in the bottom line. That was it. The sale was significant for a number of reasons. First, it's an extreme example of how the FCC's relaxed ownership rules negatively impacted local content, radio professionals, and community service. After finalization of the Apollo deal, the station changed hands five times in the next decade with some of the largest and most competitive media corporations in the country. One of the sales even split KALL between two new owners. ABC Radio Disney purchased the AM 910 frequency, while Clear Channel bought the station's name, call letters, and programming. Their management style and programming style uh, didn't really care about local issues uh, and, and uh, problems that confronted us on the uh, front lines of the radio station and all they cared about was the bottom line and how it affected them uh, profit-wise uh, back east. So it was kind of disheartening to see a disconnect between ownership and the community in which they owned a broadcast outlet. Um, and that was kind of sad. Barberi says when it was time to renegotiate his contract, the program director made it clear to him that he was standing in the way of their changing the format to sports. I was gone on a Wednesday without any mention on the station that I had ever existed. After 34 years on the air, I was stunned at the callousness in which they handled that. Barberi's last day also marks the end of local programming that had historically provided an alternative viewpoint to that of KSL. For decades, Barberi had challenged the church's conservative viewpoints and worked to keep lawmakers honest on such things as strict liquor laws. Still to come on For the Love of Salt Lake Radio News, a look at what happened to local programming as big financial corporations bought out local owners.